Hey, this is Max, and this is The Uncommon Truth, where we are in search of the church the way Jesus meant it to be. We're going to be trying some new things and adding some new voices to the show in the coming weeks, so this episode might sound a little bit different, but that's okay. I think you're going to enjoy what we've got in store for you. In just a minute, I'm going to be joined by my friend Jessica, who's going to be telling us a little bit about how she came to be at the Father's House and go through the School of Transformation. Then Steve's going to stop by and we're going to talk about the moon landing and some of the crazy things that Jesus says about bringing the kingdom here to earth. If you can hang out till the end of the show, you'll also be able to hear some ways you can get in contact with me and give us some feedback to the show. I'm also going to tell you about ways you can interact with the Father's House Church on social media, YouTube, our website, all that fun stuff. So stick around after Steve. Okay, so I'm here with Jessica Zeppi. She's joining us for our first uh, profile, sort of, I don't know, we don't have a really good name for it yet. I'm sure we'll figure out a name for it as it goes on, but we're trying to add some more voices from the Father's House, so you're not just hearing it from me and Steve and sometimes Jordy. So that's what we had Johnny on last week, and now we've got Jessica here. So welcome to our beautiful nursery. Yeah. Sound studio. <laughs> so... Uh, I'll give Jessica's bio here because that's what you do when you have a podcast and and a guest. So um, I'm going to attempt her hometown's name. So uh, Jessica is from Pataskala, Ohio. Yeah, you got it. All right, good. She came for our School of Transformation probably six years ago, right? And she's a teacher and a mentor and an administrator in the School of Transformation. And she's also on pastoral staff here at the Father's House. Yeah, so thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, this is cool. I know it's uh, it's we talk about this room. We always pre air condition it, but <laughs> I didn't get here early enough, so we're a little bit warm. That's it's, okay. I think we've got eight days in a row of a hundred degree plus weather here. So yep. the air conditioners always work hard. That's why you hear Steve and I talking about them all the time. <laughs> um, so I wanted to ask you first off. You you came here, and let me ask you how you ended up here. Yeah. But before. Before that, I want to know what your first impression of Southside Orville oh, was. My first impression of Southside. Well, before I came here, I had heard about it. I was at school of ministry in Toronto, and there were a few of the students uh, there that had been here. So I had heard about it and seen pictures and stuff. So it wasn't like a huge shock when I first got here. But I do remember uh, one of the first days of class, I was looking out the window and there was somebody riding down the street in their electric wheelchair with their grandkids sitting on their lap. And that oh, was nice. pretty interesting. And I was like, where am I? But yeah. Yeah, that was that was mine when uh, when we came for the wedding that got us here, uh, Ryan and Lisa's wedding. Right. We came here and we were lost. We were rolling into town around 1030 at <laughs> night and we were trying to find our way around and we almost asked for directions from a guy riding a bike without tires on oh, it. Oh, no. And we're like, what's that sound, right? And he's just riding around with no tires. Oh, man. I also have some dash cam footage from my car of uh, people pushing about a seven-foot-tall tower of bike parts. Oh, my just gosh. just fell over. So that was uh, – it stopped traffic when all their bikes went everywhere. But I wasn't <laughs> even mad. I was just kind of Im- just kinda like, what impressed. Just kind of like, what is happening? Or, uh, I don't know, felt sorry for them but couldn't help laughing. Right. So. So tell us a little bit more how how someone from Pataskala, Ohio, <laughs> ends up in Northern California. So when I graduated high school, I knew I wanted to do a school of ministry. And the only one I had really ever heard of was the one in Toronto. So okay. I went there. 
Um, and that was really cool. And that is actually a Partners in Harvest church. And so the Father's House is affiliated with Partners in Harvest. And so okay. uh, in the middle of the school, there was a conference that happened where all the pastors came together and like, you know, shared about their ministries and stuff. And at one point they had an intern fair for all the students to come and figure out what the different internship opportunities were. And uh, that was really cool. I got to hear a spiel. I think it was from Danielle and it was great. And then the next day, uh, Jordy Mumby taught our class. I was in the street ministry track and he taught the class and he was talking about what the Father's House does here. And, And I just remember his message was so simple and it was about Jesus and what it looks like to follow Jesus. And it just really stood out to me. Um, That school's really cool. They have a bunch of different speakers come in every single week. And, you know, they're great. But the one that really stood out to me was when Jordy came and taught that class. And so I knew that there was something different about this place. And I knew that I just wanted to check it out. Yeah, that's cool. So you you ended up... Did you you come here? I know some people from, from that school end up coming here on a on, I guess, an outreach or something. Was that your experience too? No, actually. um, So like I said earlier, a couple of the girls in my school had come here for that outreach, but I didn't come for outreach. Uh, After I graduated that school, I came and checked it out for a week. Or Mm -hmm. no, I didn't even come here for a week. It was a week trip, and I was here for only a few hours. Yeah. um, Yeah, so I checked it out. I did check it out before I came, but I was pretty sold on coming even before that. Yeah, Jordy... uh I mean, our podcast listeners know because Jordy's been on a few times. Uh, he can command a room, right? And he can. It's really funny knowing his story of how he just didn't like to talk to people right? or in general. And now he's he gets up. We get the pleasure of listening to him almost uh, like two or three times a week, yeah, right? And then school, it's, it's like every day. So yeah. that's really cool. I, I definitely found that when I was in school. Yeah. Um, so, so you've been here six years. Yeah. Tell us a little about a little bit about your journey, you know, who you were when you got here, what you kind of went through, saw and did. Yeah. So I, so I came here when I was 18 years old and I definitely felt like a little girl. Um, (laughs) uh, when I came here, there was a lot about Christianity that I was confused about. Um, and so coming here and doing the school and like the fact that they really focus on Jesus's words was a really big thing that has impacted my Christianity since being here. But like, yeah, it's definitely when you come here, it's there's no other place like this place. And it's with the school, but it's also with the community living and the, you know, the departments that we get to work in and, you know, the friends that we get to make and all of that. Like, it's just it's so different than any other place. And so like my it's just been such an adventure. And so through the six years, there's been all kinds of different, you know, elements of it so like I did the community living where mm-hmm. you know I lived in a house with eight girls and that was yeah. always Yikes. an adventure right <laughs> I'm soon going to be living in a house with four girls you are right? it's true and three of them under four years old oh so. that'll be a fun adventure yeah. not too. the same not the same thing you're talking about but that's on my mind it's probably pretty close but. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that was definitely adventure but you know some of the best friends I've ever had I made in that situation which mm-hmm. is really cool um and then uh, a few years into me being here, I actually got the pleasure of being a house leader for the Life Recovery Ministries program. Okay, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, that was really cool. I was really intimidated at first because, you know, I don't really have a history with drugs and alcohol. So initially it was kind of like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, yeah. wh- how can I Hard help to someone? relate, right? Yeah. And so, but it was, that was one of the best seasons I've ever had here because it really stretched me and pushed me. And the revelation that I came down to was just like, you know, I don't relate to that, but I do know what they need. And so as long as, 
I'm able to help them with what they need, which is Jesus, you know, then I can help them. Yeah. And it ended up being a really good season. You know, I learned a lot. I think the girls learned a lot and it was really good. It was really challenging. It really helped me in, you know, leadership stuff and even mm-hmm. just confidence and in, in growing in, in my ability to even just grow up and, you know, become a leader. Yeah. I know um, when we came here for that wedding, it was really cool. Uh, Shreya said, my wife Shreya said, one of the biggest reasons that she wanted to come back and, and try out being here for a week and, and seeing what it would be like to live here was because of getting to know you and some of the other girls that were in the wedding party with her. Oh, yeah. And I know from for myself that community living aspect was huge because I'm all about fun. I ran a summer camp, right. and that's, that's my thing. And and the guys here, we, we just, like, our the bachelor party, I got invited to, even though I, I didn't even know the groom before that <laughs> week. And we just played baseball under under the lights at midnight. Yeah. It, was, it was super fun. And, so fun. And now I live here, and we play on... Uh, Northern California's worst softball team, but we're getting better. We won right. one game last last season. Yeah, and, one more uh, than the season before. Or any of the seasons before that, as I'm told, but there we go. Right. So uh, that community living aspect is it's huge. It's huge, yeah. So what other things, you, you lived in community, you worked with Life Recovery Ministries. How about... Um, you got married, right? Yeah, Tell yeah. me a little bit about that. Yeah, so that was really cool. Um, so... I'm married to Nick Zeppi, and he uh, he runs the Helping Hands here at the church. And it's really cool because we actually both showed up at the church around the same time. Uh, he was January 2013, and I was March. Okay. And so we both came here, but we both had completely different reasons for coming. I came for the school, and he came because he needed to go through Life Recovery Ministries. Mm-hmm. And so... So like I've known, I had known him for a while, you know, and he graduated the program and went through school and became an intern and all that. And so he, you know, he really got his stuff together, which was good. So we were friends. We hung out in the same groups and stuff. Um, and then when I became a house leader, we really started hanging out and, you know, talking and stuff like yep. that. And, and so that's, that's kind of how that started. Um, and then, yeah, it just took off from there. I, I didn't see it coming at all. And it was a really fun adventure. So we, yeah, we started dating when we were house leaders and uh, we got engaged, and now we're married, and we've been married for almost two years. That's awesome. Yeah. That's one of the things that I found so, I guess, so convincing about being here is I've never seen another ministry where people that come to receive help or, you know, they need something and uh, say like a soup kitchen, I've never run into like volunteering at a soup kitchen where the director of the soup kitchen is you know, somebody who was homeless Right. where here, I mean, there's so many, so many people I, I've met Nick and, and I love the guy Yeah. besides some, you know, some of the tattoos on his arm (laughs) from his old days. I would never know that, that he's ever, you know, that's the life he came from. Right. Right. He's, I mean, I'd love, I wouldn't love to go back to meet that Nick, but I'd love to see, see the change. right? Right. Because the Nick I know now, it's true. Your husband, he's amazing. Yeah, and you can't deny that Jesus is real when you see that, you know? Right. And that was one really cool thing about being a house leader, too, was just seeing these girls come in. I remember one girl, she she had never heard the story of Jesus. Like, she just she didn't know about it at all. And so we got to tell her about it. And I remember the first time she ever heard him actually talk to her, and she knew it was him. Mm-hmm. It was just like, yeah, that's why we do what we do, you know? Yeah. It was amazing. That's great. So wh- where what keeps you here? What, what sort of... 
what's the the driving force that says you know I want to be around the father's house and yeah. I'm still here six years later right so um like I said earlier I before I came here there were a lot of things that I was really confused about in Christianity um like I would read my bible and almost feel more confused afterwards I remember one time when I was reading my bible when I was a teenager I read that verse in James that said faith without works is dead and I asked someone about it and they said oh no that's theoretical you know Mm -hmm. you don't actually have to do anything it's fine and it was just confusing because I would read stuff and be like does it mean that or does it mean something else and so um coming here and just learning that you know it means what it says and you know reading the gospels and really digesting what Jesus says my relationship with Jesus is the best it's ever been. I feel like I actually know him, you know, whereas before I was really confused. And and so just having that, but also the community, like we were talking about earlier, I've never been in a place where like it just felt so safe. And so, you know, everybody's going after the same thing. And and um, one of the biggest things that I've really learned in my six years here is just learning how to trust people even more and even more and having people that are really safe like that. That's been a huge thing. And so I think just like, why would I go anywhere else? You know, right. like if my relationship with Jesus is this good and I've got this good of friends and, you know, it's just it's it's great. Cool. Yeah. Is there anything you would say in wrapping up to somebody who's thinking about coming and checking out maybe like a school of transformation or just a short-term mission trip here. What would you say to somebody who's thinking about coming to see what we're all about here? I would say just do it. You know, what's six months? Just come for six months. Check it out. See what's, what it's all about and just do it. It's it's great. It's changed so many lives. All right. Thank you so much for joining us in the warm and sweaty nursery. <laughs> and and uh, we'll get to Steve here in a little bit. Thanks, Jessica. Yeah. Now's a good time to mention that the School of Transformation is actually accepting applications for our fall term. That term starts in September and goes through March, and that's the one I did and I really enjoyed it. It's out of the summer heat. If you want more information on that, you can head over to transformationschool.org, or you can check out that website. I'll have it in the show notes if you want to look back at that later. That's transformationschool.org. That's where you can get more information about what the school is all about, and you can also get applications that you can fill out. You can also chat with somebody if you just have questions about the school in general. You can get that all there. And if you want to see a little bit more of the school, you can go to the SOT Orville feed on Instagram. That's SOT Orville, O-R-O-V-I-L-L-E, and see what we're all about there. Okay, so welcome back, Steve. Where were you? I was in Alaska, man. No way. Tell me about it. Well, I was uh, on a cruise. Uh, it was one of those things that right after, you know, we just went on a cruise to the Baltic. <laughs> yeah. and But we had a cruise as part of that Baltic cruise that was a seven-day Caribbean. We like to back them up because mm-hmm. we were trying to do 40 days on our 40th anniversary. Right. So when Jordy got cancer, he asked me to stay home and we were going to forfeit the cruise. And the cruise company, the minute we said, yes, we'll just let it go and we'll lose the money. We'll stay here with Jordy. And the cruise company sent us a text at that very minute. I mean, within that minute, probably, that said, uh, "Would could we buy you out of that cruise? Because they oversold it? They oversold it. Okay. So I can't even think of what it's called. Wow. Something move move forward or move move. Yeah. And so we took, so they gave us a cruise. Nice. And the way my wife is, you know, they, they, 
refund you the the money and airfare and everything and they give you a future cruise that my wife turned into two weeks in alaska with a balcony how'd you do that and oh my god and and it's probably her calling oh that's terrible that's right and happens to the best of the podcasters i gotta turn mine off now so you got two weeks she got him to give her two weeks but there's also this two thousand dollar refund Okay. That you can only get if you go on this cruise. So we basically got paid. We had to get <laughs> go on this cruise to get our two thousand dollars. And wow. um it was it's pretty funny. We got a free cruise, free everything, and for two weeks in Alaska on a balcony, saw millions of whales, eagles, otters, you know, tons of wildlife. Yeah. Beauty beyond belief. And uh so that we could collect our money that was put into <laughs> account. So it's kind of a uh, I don't know how the Lord just continues to bless me beyond my imagination, but it really is rich. It's really an abundant life. I guess, I, I guess that's why we're sticking around here because, you know, one day we're going to get uh, paid to go on cruises, right? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think that should be the motive there, but right. uh, it's because that's not my motive that I probably get it. I don't know, but it's yeah. a blessed life, and I think the world needs to see the blessed life through giving through sacrificial living and through life, the you know life abundant, giving your life away creates, causes an abundant return of amazing life. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool. I've never been to Alaska. Yeah. Um, I've I love I've I love seeing like wildlife and mm-hmm. and the northern lights and stuff like that. You wouldn't have seen the northern lights because it was, I guess it was too bright during the night. Well, right? I don't know what causes the northern lights, but I've been far north several times and never come close to seeing them. Um, I think it has to be the perfect, you know, uh, reflection off of, uh, the, the angle of the sun through the, through the, through aura of the atmosphere. Yeah. It's, uh, something with like, uh, uh, sun's radiation coming through. Yeah. And, and it's gotta be really dark to see him. Right. And I don't know. I don't know how it was light. This is the time of year where it's, light most of the time I and mean, right. the sun is actually only dark for a couple hours yeah well that's cool i i uh was wondering so you had you had a caribbean cruise and you swapped it to swapped it to alaska had a one week caribbean cruise with an interior dark room and it got we we were giving it up and they gave us a free two weeks with a balcony in alaska there you go on the one of the great best ships you know and it just, it, honestly, it's be more than you could ask or think. Okay. Did you uh, live in love in Jesus? Stop into Canada at all on the way? Well, we flew into Vancouver. That's okay. where we sailed out of. Cool. So I was in Vancouver for a minute. Hello, British Columbia. We got some listeners up there. <laughs> so I wanted to. Uh, I, I was. I don't know. As a kid, I was really into. Uh, I loved Apollo 13 and, and I read the book, the right stuff, even, even before I understood, you know, all that went on with, with, uh, the space program, everything went to Kennedy space center as a kid. I loved right. it. So I was noticing that it was, you know, this past weekend was the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11 moon landing. Yep. July so 20. I wanted, want to talk to you because you were alive and you were, I guess you were a little kid watching it, right? I was uh, just about thirteen. Okay. So I'm, you know, pretty old. Uh, it was. It was. Uh, <laughs> Sorry to call you out in front of all your yeah, listeners, but it you know. was. Uh, it was magical, awe-inspiring. But see, they were using the greatest technology. 
So it was like sci-fi to us. It was like science yeah. fiction to us. What's really marvelous, what this last uh, week when I sat, I actually just sat and watched a couple of documentaries interviewing the astronauts, um, you know, Buzz Aldrin taking communion before he would go out onto yeah. the moon, um, reading the scripture, you know, yeah, well, they re- astronauts reading scriptures on the over the air of the evening news. Didn't they read uh, Genesis 1? Um, yeah, God created the heavens and the earth. Wow. You know, I mean, it was it was awesome, just awesome. And so I watched this documentary, two of them, two or three of them, actually, because I got stuck on it this weekend. You know, it's the 50th anniversary, July 21st, Neil Armstrong, they landed on the 20th, and he stepped out on the 21st, I think, um, 1969, and I was just stunned. When you look at the technology 50 years ago that they trusted in. Yeah. And it was interesting because Neil Armstrong's passed, but Buzz Aldrin was there. And he said, Neil and I both knew that we didn't have it. We barely had a 50-50 chance of surviving. Hmm. They both had families. They kissed their kids goodbye on a 50-50 chance to go to the moon and to survive it. And there were so many points. They went, you know, they went item by item, lift off, and they talked about all the dangers and all the yeah. chances. And just a few months before, three astronauts had burned to death in, in, a, in a capsule. Yeah. And so I was just looking at the, inc- all of a sudden, when I was 13, I was looking at people using the most phenomenal computers on the earth, the most incredible mathematics the best things known to man to get those guys there. And when you look back on the archaic nature of what they went to the moon in compared to what we have today, yeah. you know, jet jet planes today are more sophisticated by far. Oh, your Tesla is more sophisticated yeah. than the, than the uh, moon, lunar module. Yeah, yeah, than the Eagle, you know, the Eagle or the Columbia. Landed. The Columbia was the ship that orbited the moon. Yeah. And those, when they talk about it, and they talk about when it hit the water, you had to do a certain thing or yeah. it would flip over, and they were all committed to not letting it flip over. You had to release the chute. Yeah. And in this documentary, he says, man, we tried to release that chute. We'd, all of a sudden, there we are hanging upside down in the water because now we're in gravity. Yeah. You know, they've been out of gravity. Now they're in gravity, and they're hanging upside down waiting in, a, in the water yeah. waiting to be rescued when they... They had to release the, f- and they didn't. I mean, it's that archaic a technology. You got to pull a lever to release a chute, right. or the chute will drag you upside down. And uh, they said, "Oh, there we were hanging upside down when they opened the door." <laughs> I just love that stuff. So. It was so phenomenal. The the incredible nature of their bravery, the incredible nature of uh, Cape Canaveral, this Houston, mm-hmm. and their and their science, and how hard they worked the problems. You know that later in Apollo 13, they saved those guys' life with the, with their yeah. abilities. They're all working with like slide rules and oh, stuff. Oh, slide rules and, and 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 papers. They were doing doing yeah. math on papers with pencils, and it's just phenomenal. Uh, it it is way more amazing today in in 2019 to me than it was in in 1969. Mm-hmm. Just to see the incredible nature of their bravery and their valor, and they're just the quality of their characters and. It's just, it's just, it's so rare today. It, it just stuck out. This line of seven men that all went to the moon, and being Buzz Aldrin and Mike Collins are still alive. They were there too. Yeah, they were in eleven, and they went all the way to seventeen, I believe. And all yeah, the so. guys representing each crew were there. And just the incredible nature of their characters, their their valor, their their uncommon courage, and then the wonderful sciences that that went along with it. Just Wow, you look back, they were they were like going they were trying to fly to Germany on a skateboard. I mean it was yeah. it's like 
what they flew in. Wow. Yeah. And all the dangers they faced and overcame. Yeah, I know I was thinking about the moon landing because they also they also just thinking about how far we've come, they released the brand new Corvette on the anniversary of the moon landing. Yeah. And they, they showed they had astronauts speaking about <laughs> it because all the old astronauts used to drive Corvettes, right? Right. right. And they used to give that's where where we came from. Chevrolet would give every astronaut a Corvette, right? And they'd yeah. customize them and everything. And so they were showing this this uh I guess timeline of Corvettes and you could tell which which mission you were on by which year Corvette you got. And I don't know, it's just it seems like a different world, right? Like yeah. I don't know. The looking it's, at the nineteen sixty three split window Stingray yeah. Corvette, right? Yeah. And and those are that's my favorite car of all well, time. Well that's the most valuable. But uh I'll tell you a story about that one later sometime yeah. when we have time. Yeah. But um Amazing. now they have this like brand new it looks like a spaceship itself, right? The the new they put the engine in the back. That's all strange to me. But you know, uh, Max, what I was uh, stunned by was just they demonstrated these men. They show they showed interviews with these men from those days. They they talked about their feelings, and it really demonstrated the stark difference between mankind fifty years ago and mankind today. Hmm. Just the there was no victimization. The wives didn't even talk about what victims they were. For yeah, yeah, right. and today you can't do anything. Everybody's a victim, hmm. you know. And it's it's uh, not everybody, but you know, it's it's really that's the new it's, virtue. It's really, right? that's the only thing they want to publicize is how are you victimized by something, and it's just the difference, the stark difference in humankind, and merit what America means and what we are as Americans. And uh, anyway, if you're not American, I'm sorry to be showing my patriotic undergarments. <laughs> That's all right. You you visited Canada, so I did. I do. I love Canada. So and I love Canadians. Yeah, you got plenty of them here. I got tons here. Um, my wife got her green card, by the way, last week while you're gone. She got it, so <laughs> wow. she's uh, she's sort of an honorary American for at least the next ten years. So ten years. Oh uh, yeah. All right. Yep. So that's awesome. She was super excited about that. That is crazy. You know, I guess when you walk into the the green card office or the the um, homeland security office and you have two kids already and you're very very pregnant with your yeah, third one yeah the guy goes well this will be a pretty straightforward interview i think <laughs> and you can tell on the letter we got he he submitted the you know send her a green card about five minutes after we walked out of the office yeah. he didn't have to do that much more checking but right. we're really blessed that means we can be here for as long as we want as long as jesus wants at least so well we go. we also are very fortunate so it's, it's you don't have your here. wife doesn't have to go home and leave you here. Right. Exactly. No, I'm kidding. Um, we're so glad to have her. So we're, we're talking a little bit. We spoke with Johnny last week and he was talking about um, our our interpretation of or our, I guess our the way we view Jesus as this sort of fluffy guy who pets sheep and and just says nice things <laughs> to people. And we called it no more Mr. Nice Jesus. Um, really? Yeah. So our our evolution of that topic is we're, we're going through some of the sort of not comfortable things that Jesus has to say. And we're talking about some of the uncomfortable things he has to say about the kingdom and yeah. specifically, I guess, our role in that and, yeah. and why why that's not, I don't know, maybe, maybe it is or maybe it isn't taking the place the way we think it should in our lives, in our communities. So um, I know you, you told me a story once uh, about a guy who, who took this, parcel of land and turn it into a great oh, the farm. farm story yeah yeah so i thought that would kind of be a good way to start off the conversation okay. 
So there was this uh, man who wanted to move to a certain region of the Midwest that was extremely fertile farmland. And he went in there to try to buy a tract of land and try to build a farm for himself and his future. And he went to a realtor who said, there's no way. No one sells farms around here. They're too rich. They're too fertile. They're too, you know, everybody's successful. Yeah. Farms never come up for sales. He says, well, please go try. And the guy and the realtor went out and tried to buy and kept telling him, nope, there's nothing. Well, the realtor called him one day and said, you know, I did find this tract of land that you said you wanted to buy a farm. And this is the one piece of ground nobody will farm. It's where over the centuries, even over the long history of America, everybody who's developed a farm has dumped all their stuff there. So it's full of rocks and roots and stumps and all the debris. It's almost the dump. Hmm. He said, well, go buy it for me. Go make an offer. And, and, Lo and behold, he bought the land. The, the man bought the land. <clears throat> and he goes out and he starts to dig and he starts to burn and he starts to pull. And he, he, he works and he works. And he just does this for a considerable amount of time until one day he has enough cleared land to plant. Well, this land is so fertile because it's never been farmed. <clears throat> it is it is beautifully fertile and produces well. So he's successful immediately starts to reinvest into the rest of his land. He digs and he burns and he pulls. And once he has the land farming and producing, he starts to build his fences and his houses and his barns. And he, he develops this into the most beautiful farm in the whole region. In fact, people began to want to go see this farm as a spectacle. And the, the community put a sign on the, on the passing highway this way to see the so-and-so farm, the Johnson farm, let's call it. And people would turn off the highway to go and view this incredible spectacle of this farm that produced so richly that the man was able to build such beautiful outbuildings and fence lines and, and just make a spectacle mm-hmm. of this piece of ground that he bought. And one day he was out working a fence line and a, a, a car pulled over and was on the side of the road and a lady rolled down the window and said, excuse me, sir. And he said, yes, ma'am. She said, could you tell me who owns this beautiful farm? He said, well, I do. And the lady said, well, God has blessed you, has so richly blessed you with such a beautiful farm. And the guy said, ma'am, you should have seen it when he had it to himself. I think the beauty of that story is it. I like to tell it to people because we so easily fall into sleep of the will of God and that everything, you know, happens by the will of God. And the truth is, the will of God is so well seen everywhere. It's in the richness of the land, it's in the production of when He, when we plant and he waters, God produces the increase, but we have to plant. Maybe someone else has to water and God produces the fruit. And so the man had great return, but what he had return on was his effort. Right. And a lot of times when I give the punchline to that, you can hear the crowd, the air sucks out of the room. Yeah. It's like, were you disrespectful to God? Yeah. And how, you know, the, the, how dare you? Yeah. The simple truth of it hits you. And yet the, oh my gosh, did he just offend God? 
Yeah. You should have seen it when he had it to himself. But what I like to liken it to is you should have seen my life. There is no doubt God loved me as a child. God wanted good for me. I can tell you story after story that should have revealed God to me, but I went the other way. Mm-hmm. Instead of looking at God, I looked at something else. I looked at my victimization. I looked at how people were unfair to me. And I would begin to see what I don't have more than I would see what I do have. Yeah. I would see the rocks and the roots and the dump more than I would see the fertileness if I could just dig down to it. And when God when I was the uh, God was the only one that wanted to love me, my life, I was man, I I got to be quite the hater. I, I got to be I had a deep anger inside of me. And that was God didn't want me to have the anger. God didn't want me to be unhappy, but when he was the only one that wanted me right, I wasn't right. I went and found him, and he convinced me to do some things, um, to dig and burn a little. Maybe he, yeah. I let him dig and burn a little even. So until, and, you, until you were ready to, to do some of that yeah. seeking, right? Or yeah. to sort of believe the things that, that he was telling you or people were telling you, right? Then you... Yeah. Until that point, you were still the same Steve that... That's right. Right? Okay. That so that sense. man took the land that nobody wanted. The guy didn't even think about that land because nobody wants that land. He took the land that nobody wants, and by his effort and God's blessing, he made it the land that everybody wants. Hmm. People pulled off as a spectacle to see the land because with his effort and God's will and God's blessing, it became the land that everybody wants. Well, my life... I mean, I constantly have people saying, how do I have what you have? Uh, are you willing to walk the road I'm walking? Are you yeah. willing to do the things I've done? Well, that's that's the point that we're talking about because yeah. we we have this idea of what the kingdom coming down to earth would look like. Yeah. And we have that idea for, for our lives or for people, individuals' lives. And we also have that idea for our communities or our church or our ministry or even our country, right? We have this idea. But where do we... Like, where do we see that happening? Uh, or w- what do we have to do to, to get that, right? Well, I think it's really clearly said in belief. It's really clearly spoken in belief. The only problem with that statement is the definition of belief. Then you've got everybody and their mother deciding what believe means. And I think that I, I have what I have because I was willing to respond to what he said. Any man who hears these words of mine and acts upon them. The storms will come in. He'll build his house on a rock and the storms will come and the winds will beat and they won't fall. So one of the great promises is if you build on this rock, you can withstand storms. Now, what about when there are no storms? Well, there's plenty of um, verses about the kingdom of heaven is like a buried treasure that a man went and sold all that he had. There's still a cost. There's still a decision to make. Do I want the kingdom of heaven? Am I willing to lose what I have? Yeah. So you have to you have to build yeah. in the one parable. You you actually both both the guy who builds on the rock and the guy who builds on the sand is still building, right? You're not. It's not like he's just watching God create him a house and God created one guy a house on rock and one yeah. guy a house on stand on sand, right? Well, the guy built the houses, and we what it, what it's a metaphor for is our life just goes on. Our life builds around us. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you live in a cave under a bridge; you're building a life. That's the life you're building. Yeah. How will that life withstand hardship? You created hardship by doing that. So we each and every one of us, no matter what we do, are building a life. And did we build on the truth of the gospel or did we build on the truth that man tells us, on the system of the world? 
And so what Jesus is saying is everybody's do you're all doing something, but if you'll get up and do what you're supposed to do, what his will is, you're going to have the rock and you're going to withstand storms. Besides storms, you're going to have blessing. You're going to have yoke that's easy, burden that's light. You're going to have joy unspeakable, full of glory. You're going to have many times rewarded back to you what you gave, what you did in this life and in the life to come, eternal life. All of these are verses that you red letter verses. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. So the kingdom of heaven is the merchant seeking after fine pearls. When he finds it, he give up everything. Well, Jesus gave up everything. The king of heaven gives up everything to obtain his fine pearl. I'm his fine pearl. He gave up everything to possess me. Will I allow myself to be possessed? Every single one of these parables requires a response from me. Will I be possessed by the merchant who gave up everything to possess me? There's... Oh, there's just too many. There's, yeah. you know, the, 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 the fish, you know, the, the net full of fish. The kingdom of heaven is uh, all these different parables. And in each one of them, the king of heaven is doing something to give all to us, to give us everything, give us a treasure, to give us uh, acceptance. Fine pearl is taken home by the merchant to live in his home. Uh, we have to choose to be to be owned, and I I just think that there's a great every one of these. You should have seen it when it was only His will that I was saved. You should have seen it when it was only His will that I be wise. Or Orville, right? South or live in Orville. He had Orville for me. That wasn't my will. And in this glorious Father's house, which is I pinch myself. How do I get to be part of this? How can He use me? I'm a carpenter. I'm uneducated. How can He use me? And I can see the way. I mean, I know the way and I can see it. And how did I get to see this? I just sat in a cruise ship full of people begging him, let me reach these people. Mm -hmm. Empower me to reach these people. Give me voice. Tell me what to do. Uh, Why do I get to know? And the reason I get to know is I'm the one that was willing to go and sell all that I had to own the treasure. I was the pearl that was willing to be owned. So, yeah, let's stick on that point because... I think there's, from my own perspective in my time, because I've always, as in my life as a Christian, I've I've had that. I think we all have this, like I want to see my neighbors believe. I want to see my f- friends and my family who don't. Mm-hmm. I want them to believe, and I want to see the homeless guy in the corner. I I don't only want him to believe, but I want him to not be homeless. Or right. I want suffering right? ended. Right. I want to see this this stuff change, like like. Peter walking around in the book of Acts and people lining up to get their his shadow cast on them mm-hmm. and things change, right? And after a certain time in Christianity, when you don't really see any of this stuff happening, I think you've got a choice, right? You've got this choice to say there's either something wrong with Christianity or I'm not doing it right. I think it's spelled out really well in the Gospels. I think it's our decision to either see the truth or not see the truth. I think that I have a passion. Whatever it costs, whatever the price, what I want, I want to be in the center of his will, and I want what the kingdom has. And that's really what I'm after. 
And mankind says it means this. Other mankind says it means that. Another group says it means this, it means this, it means this. I mean, it's really confusing. You got to concentrate on that over there. No, over there. No, over there. And I'm just like, time out. What does Jesus say? He says the kingdom of heaven is like, and he, I mean, he lays it out. And it's like, I'm, I'm amazed. The apostle who walked with Jesus said, your life is not your own. It is bought with a price. It is purchased. Well, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I can't really correct the world's thinking, the Christian world or the world's world. All I can really do is put into effect, act upon the words of Jesus, hmm. have a blessed life, tell others how to do it, and ask them later, did it work? Do you have a blessed life? You know, like you had Johnny last week. You had a blessed life. You have Jordy. Jordy grew up into a mountain of a man. Yeah. Uh, you have, you're, you, you, through this podcast, you'll probably interview quite a few people that all they did about listening to me really was, I said, Go find him. Go listen to him. I will tell you what I think he's saying, but you still, you can't even go with that. Go read what he's saying. Don't let any other outside voices from outside tell you what he's saying. Just ponder on it. See if what we're saying is true about what. If we say he says you got to give up everything, then go and see. Is that what he said? Mm -hmm. And if he didn't, don't believe us. But if you do that, if you do believe and you go and do it and your life is better, then go ahead and proclaim that. My life is better. My life's the best it's ever been. My life is blessed. I live in a kingdom awareness every day, the presence around me every day. I live in a knowledge of his grace for me every day. I, 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 live in, I have entered into his rest every day. And if you can say those things too, then there must be something to this. And as the crowd grows of people saying, this has been amazing. Oh, he's asked some hard things, but it's easy to do it for him. It's easy to live for him in, in that way. Anyway, right. in the sacrifice. Yeah. The, when, when you can, when you can really get perspective on what the rewards are for following him, then that, mm -hmm. that narrow gate, that narrow road, which is a hardship doesn't, all of a sudden seem like that big of a hardship, right? Right. I think, I think that's the journey that my wife and I are on, right? Like the, I think even where we've been, it's almost a year now since we've been here, it'll be a year and a month. And, and I don't like where I've gotten to now, not there yet. Not, you know, I'm volunteering at the frozen yogurt shop, Yoville tonight. And, uh, I'm better. I'm more excited this month than I was last month. And yeah. More excited then than I was the month before right. that. Right. Um, it's not just uh, this is what I've got to do. It's slowly becoming, wow, I get to go sling some yogurt tonight and, and talk to kids. Right. Because uh, a bunch of kids come in and that's when I get to interact with kids as an old camp guy. Like I like that stuff. So I'm I'm seeing more of the more of the way ways that I can serve Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's becoming less of a religious thing. Yeah. And it's becoming more of a relationship thing. I'm, I'm really like, I, I'm honestly really like low on that journey. I'm, I'm really, it's embarrassing how, how far I've got to go. I mean, oh. I'm always going to keep, have to keep yeah. going, but it's, uh, for somebody who's been 
uh, saying I've been following Jesus for a long time, it's embarrassing how much I have left to learn, right? But it's also yeah. exhilarating because I'm I'm learning it, and I'm getting there, and it's it's almost like a weekly, monthly thing that I can see. Yeah, okay, well I get to do these things. It's not just the like the podcast excites me to do, right. but there's other things I get to. Uh, two weeks ago, I got to help park people so they could come and get free free furniture and diapers yeah. and stuff from yeah. from the campfire, and just interacting with people. I, I valet parked someone's car cause she was late. Right. And she wanted to make sure she didn't miss out on her chance to get blessed. Right. And so, yeah. I don't know, it's just those little things where it's slowly becoming less of a, I have to do this and more of a, I get to, but it does require work on our parts to, to bring that change into, into being, to bring heaven down to earth. You know, it's a fine line between a work and a get to, I mean, I'm sorry, a have to and a get to, right. It's a fine line. Do I have to? I've never, I don't know, because I get to. Um, and yet, when we get to the black and white of it, yeah, I kind of have to. Yeah. It's, it's, I want to be where he says that, you know, you put your hand to the plow. The kingdom of heaven is like this, and the kingdom of heaven is like that. I have to comply. I, I have to. I'm honor bound. I am bound to comply. I'm bought with a price. And not only am I a bond servant, I'm also a son who gets to own everything, yeah. who gets to have all the blessing of walking in this thing. And so it's really a crazy. Um, you're you're kind of selling to the Christian world to have to. When the truth is, what you want to communicate is the get to. I get to work for him. Yeah. It's such a privilege and there is no cost I wouldn't pay to get to work for him. And whether it's parking cars or, or any of the above, you know, yeah. I just get to, I mean, he uses me and I don't know why, but he does. Right. Cool. Well, I think that'll, we'll do it for this week. It's really cool to have you back. I'm getting excited to hear more about Alaska. It is. And, it's fun to be here. And um, yeah, we'll have you back next week. All right, man. Thanks. Thank you so much for making The Uncommon Truth part of your podcast life. We really appreciate you listening. If you're interested in our School of Transformation, I've put that website right at the top of our show notes so you can check out our brand new website. It should be popping up pretty soon. And that website is transformationschool.org. While you're at it, you might as well check out the Father's House Church website. That's changeorville.org you'll also find in the show notes links to our social media our instagram our facebook and our youtube where you can hear sermons from the father's house i usually try to post some selfies or some pictures from the podcast there in the instagram feed so go ahead and check those out i think i'm also going to embed the episode on facebook so if you'd like to listen while you're browsing through facebook mindlessly you can do that as well And finally, allow me to beat a dead horse by asking you to go to iTunes and leave us a rating or a review. iTunes bases its charts off how many listeners interact with the show by leaving ratings, reviews, comments, and such. So the best way for more people to hear the uncommon truth is for you to not only subscribe, but also to leave a rating and a five-star review. And that will show that people actually care about the uncommon truth and people who haven't already heard about it can see it for themselves and become listeners as well. 
Thanks again to Jessica Zeppi and the School of Transformation for lending her to us. And thanks to Steve and his awesome stories. We will see you again next week here on The Uncommon Truth.